Hello and welcome back to Pharmacist Diaries, the podcast that reveals the secret lives of pharmacists from where their journeys began, where they are now and everything in between. I am your host Anisha Patel and on today's episode I am pleased to introduce an enthusiastic and focused clinical pharmacist, Tanya Obila. Tanya is a firm believer of a professional five-year plan and the belief that life has a way of showing you different paths. She started out as a community pharmacist, but behind the scenes she was developing her goals in order to navigate into a clinic-based or general practice-based career pathway. Part of this transformational process involved undertaking a management role in community pharmacy to assess her skill set in leadership, which she thoroughly enjoyed. During this role, she stumbled across an opportunity to design a bespoke service for a neuro-rehabilitation centre. This involved reviewing medication-related policies, undertaking audits, cost savings, and going on ward rounds weekly. This project sparked some excitement for Tanya, and she made a courageous leap to quit her job and apply for a GP practice role where she felt her skills and experience would be well-suited. After an interesting speed-dating interview process, she was offered a job and hasn't looked back. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Coolio. Well, welcome to Pharmacist Diaries. Hello. I'm so happy to have you and thanks for, you know, uh, making the time for me. And also thanks to um, for, for kind of going out of your comfort zone today and doing something different. Um, oh, it is. It's definitely a push <laughs> But good. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's good. So I guess we usually start the, the podcast by talking about why you chose Asi in the first place you can kind of give us an introduction as to um, your pharmacy journey and where it began. Yeah, yeah. so I had a really good grounding at school. Um, this kind of pathway was initially brought up by my chemistry teacher uh, when I was at my A-level stage because initially I actually wanted to do biology because uh, I didn't have a really like a particular focus. Um, but she kind of pointed me in the way of pharmacy simply because I wanted to care for people a little bit more but I didn't want to do medicine. I didn't feel that was for me. But I did have some kind of life-changing experiences when I was younger. So as I said, that's kind of like prompted me to to want to care for people a little bit more. So it kind of made me a bit more determined and embedded within me kind of like these values which drives me forward, uh, um, which drove me a bit, uh, which drove me forward. So she mentioned pharmacy. And I did some experience at Superdrug in Windsor. So that was when I was about 17 or 18 years old. So just to get some hands-on experiences to what pharmacy kind of entailed. And from there, I, I actually really enjoyed it. That was in community. So I really enjoyed it. Um, so I watched the pharmacists do some, you know, patient queries, um, how, what stuff went on behind the back because it was a complete mystery. And from there... I kind of uh, grew an interest in it really and I went for it nice and yeah. is anyone in your family in uh, the medical field or healthcare professionals yeah so we do have a healthcare background so both my parents uh, they worked um, as nursing assistants for learning disabilities oh interesting <clears throat> so they did that for about 24 years like shared between them so I think from a very young age it was kind of like embedded in me that you know I wanted to do something like that but probably not down the route that they went down. Mm. I think it's it's good obviously it's great that you've chosen pharmacy because clearly that's what we're here for on this podcast but I, I just love the fact that we have so much variety in our role and even before I guess several years before today um even when I was in university and kind of thinking about pharmacy and what I would be doing, I felt that there was still a lot of variety back then. You still had community, hospital, industry, academia, and little bits of other things that were kind of the minority of pharmacy yeah. professionals might go into those fields. But now you're seeing such a, a massive difference and people trying out new career pathways, new skill sets, you know, having the courage to go into a new field of pharmacy which hasn't been there before where you're getting more involved with service development and kind of finances guidelines formulary absolutely, um, absolutely. that's so, the thing that, that this was around actually when um, I was choosing this pathway um, I only saw the community aspect so I thought okay. oh this might be 
this might be it, but it looks all right, you know? Yeah. Um, that day. So it's only when I went to uni that I saw the variety of different roles. And at that point, I think we just saw the academia, the hospitals, what you were saying. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. So this has got a lot more to it, actually. Mm. So, mm. What was university life like for you? Oh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> you work hard and then, you know, you've got your the afterlife and all of that kind of uh, the, the nightlife and stuff. Um, and you make your friends for life. And it's where I found my myself, and uh, you know, I've I've got my friends to this day. Yeah, it's, it was a really good all rounded experience for me personally because I lived out, which was a new experience for me being apart from my mum <laughs> for four years. But it was a, a period of growth, so um, yeah, it was it was definitely a good experience for me personally. Yeah, I mean, I I, I probably I only have a few university friends that I keep in touch with now. They know, I know so <laughs> well and um, they you, you're 100% right they are friends for life and mm-hmm. we have pharmacy in common as well as lots of other things but we we share a lot of really really good memories from from university years and it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah it's a nice feeling to have that kind of long-term friendship that you know isn't going to go away and you build mm-hmm. that when you're I guess in your university years mm-hmm. so during university do you remember what aspects of the degree that you you really liked or bits that you didn't really like that kind of have helped to to mold who you are now yeah so you know what I felt in uni that they gave us all the groundwork so I really enjoyed that so you know it was a lot of theory an introduction and taster to what you might get in future so Mm. for example got your pharmaceutics so it might open your eyes to industry then you've got your like your law and ethics um so that would you like to go more of the pathway to gphc land um so it gives you an opportunity to explore so much which is what i enjoyed the just the variety of topics we'd cover Mm. um so yeah i I really enjoyed that part oskies yes and no <laughs> everyone, always, everyone always says that whenever they come onto the podcast like people always bring up oskies yeah uh, they love it but they hate it all at the same time but they know it's really good for you and actually help them to understand counseling yeah. and education and patient care to uh, from a different perspective than just learning from lectures or reading from books it's a really horrible experience but at the same time it, it it's, it's really good for you and puts you yeah. out of your comfort zone. Basically, yeah. just like what you're doing now. This could be a love-hate thing. <laughs> <laughs> so very true. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, Oskis were really good. Like, I remember um, Dr. Kostetsky dressed as a nurse on my first ever one. Oh, I think my he was, goodness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think he was one of my first stations, um, which was hilarious. So I was just thinking, oh, my goodness, is this what this is going to be the whole way around? because I am not mentally prepared for this. Um, so that was an interesting um, experience. And then I had an experience where um, I was in front of one of the lecturers and um, I had a complete brain freeze. But you know what? If it's going to happen, just have it in a Mokoski. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the lecturer going, it's okay. Just take your time. And you know what? I remember it's about isosol by mononitrate and the administration counselling around that. I'll never forget it. And that was the time where I just forgot everything just for a moment. But then it came back to me afterwards. So, you know, it's one of yeah. those things. It is. It's totally one of those things. And it's probably happened to most people that we know. There's always one station where you freeze and you think, oh, my God, I don't know what to say. And mm. then it's hard to bring yourself back from it. Um, yeah. And in real life, you just say, I don't know, I'm going to look it up, but I'm going to help you. Um, <laughs> and, and that might be than the oskies that you need to have to go out there and say well actually I'm not so sure but I know where to look it up so give me you know one minute to check and I'll get back to you because you always have your paper BNF in front of you um okay. you know what we did when we were <laughs> at uni with the paper BNF um oh. we live with that thing we carry it around all day so you always have the opportunity to go back and just say to the patient um you know I need some time and every patient appreciates that especially in the hospital we use so many and as long yeah. as you know what you're ex- what you're expected to find on these websites or in these books, um, if you don't know the answer to something, then you can always go and ask. 
So it's exactly the same experience. So I guess sometimes when you're at university and you're you're in that kind of examination um, OSCE type scenario where it's not real, just remind yourself that in reality, there's always an opportunity to, to look something up or to ask someone else. Sorry, especially in the position that you're kind of in for offering that prescribing advice mm. because you're leading them ultimately to make that decision so you'd want to double check so of course yeah I co I'm completely with you there yeah absolutely yeah, definitely yeah. so um yeah from university we've gone so off topic but in a good way <laughs> <laughs> like how did you prepare for the pre-reg one of um, one of the lecturers I found most inspiring to me was actually Dr. Kostetsky because he was a consultant pharmacist and I just found that amazing. Uh, and that was in hospital. So in my mind, I wanted to go down the hospital route. But life has a way of um, showing you other paths. <laughs> so I uh, applied to all the hospital um, positions that I wanted to. But the wait, the waiting game just got to me a little bit because I, I didn't know when to expect um, the answers back. Uh, so I actually applied to um, Lloyd's Pharmacy, so community, just in case um, it just went a bit wrong. <laughs> um, so I uh, applied to Lloyd's and actually I got that offer quite quickly. And I thought, you know what, this might be life just showing me another path. So I think I'll just go with this one. Um, so I went with with um with Lloyd's for my pre-reg for the year, and which was really good. Um, so they were a really busy pharmacy, um, lots of um, different locums coming in, which um, I was able to learn um, how different people work, different locums worked. Um, I liked asking them questions about why they chose pharmacy, uh, why they're doing what they're doing, why they're locuming, and I just like to watch how they work. So um, that was really good. And we had two managers as well, um, which was really beneficial. So I think I got a lot of grounding from them. And then after that, uh, yeah, I did my pre-reg exam. Uh, they, Lloyd's did really set us up quite well because um, when we were starting our pre-reg, we were handed a huge file with everything uh, that we needed to cover. So it was really thorough and really detailed. Um, so we felt really looked after, actually. Um, which was really good. Um, and then the pre-reg exam happened and we're here. <laughs> Agreed. And when did you start working when you first qualified? So um, I went to relief with Lloyd's Pharmacy for a bit after, just because it was in my comfort zone. Um, so I did that for two, about two, two and a half years after. And I was quite nervous to locum outside Lloyd's for the first time because it's what you know best. Mm. Uh, so I knew the SOPs. I kind of knew the wider team. Um, so they were a really good support network. Um, but, you know, there's a time where you need to kind of spread your wings because I knew I wasn't going to relief really for the rest of my life going forward. And I quite like working on little plans in my head. So like five year goals, um, not usually longer than that. Five years is usually quite a good like benchmark for me because 10 years can be a bit too long. Uh, and a bit shorter than that, you can kind of maybe not have enough um, milestones that you cover, if that makes sense. Mm. Not get as much done. So it's just the way I kind of operate within myself. So, um, yeah, so I was thinking about what I wanted to do. So actually, I kind of got the courage up and did a couple of locums for um, some other pharmacies. And I thought, you know what, the next step might be um, to be a pharmacy manager because I was getting really good feedback from my colleagues around uh, handling um, my team, so working with um, with other teams, bigger teams. So I thought, okay, maybe maybe I am an okay manager, so let, let's try and apply for these roles. So um, I went for uh, a job at Superdrug, actually, but I went for the job for second pharmacist um, for one of their uh their stores who were just developing their um, online services uh, because it was quite new at the time. Um, but I got a call shortly after that interview from the area manager to say, actually, I think you need to go for um, a store on your own because you're quite well suited for a manager's position. So um, I had a second interview and then um, I became manager of um, a Superdrug branch in Surrey. 
where kind of that was my most transformational process where I learned a lot of um, other skills and a lot of skills that they managed to te- tease out of me, if that makes sense. Interesting. So mm-hmm. I, I guess I've got a couple of follow-on questions. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of your, like, in terms of skills, where you change from you know, a, re- a relief pharmacist going in a managerial role and it wasn't sort of a, a slow transition and um, you're going from one job to the next I guess how did you prepare for the changes in terms of what you'll be responsible for and what what kind of skills did you learn as a manager that you didn't have before I kind of wanted to learn this right from the beginning like in pre-reg days mm. because I wanted to be supervised and have some feedback about my technique and what I could do to improve. So um, a lot of the time when my pre-reg tutor was in or the um, second manager, um, I would say, okay, can um, can I be in charge, quotation marks, uh, for the day? And can you tell me how I'm doing? And that would be towards the end of my year. So um, I'd go out instead of the pharmacist, um, uh, obviously explain to the, the patient um, who I was and my position before, if they were happy to speak to me. Um, and just to see, um, actually, uh, feedback-wise, how I was doing and how I would organise the day. So who needs to be doing what and when. Um, so and because I worked in that busy pharmacy, I could kind of get the flow of the day. And I think working in a busy store from the beginning prepared me because I knew, uh, I knew the workflow and I knew what needed to be done. So moving from that busy place to a quieter place, because this store that I was in actually... Um, was quieter simply because another pharmacy had opened in the area. So I thought, actually, this pharmacy, the new one, would be quite a good one for me because um, it is quiet, so I'll be able to work on my skills a little bit more. And um, it's a small team to manage. Mm. Um, So I was able to grow in that way. Oh, that's a great idea, actually. So you Uh get good grounding in a very busy sort of high turnover pharmacy but then when you actually go into a leadership or a management position you choose a slightly smaller pharmacy with less staff so it's slightly more manageable to begin with and then you regrow into that role when I go into a new role um, I kind of grow and learn on the job and as I experience the job yeah I'm learning on the go and I keep doing that all the time actually and I put myself into uncomfortable positions where I have to grow at a fast pace in order to keep up with the job and this is part of the fact that residency when rotating to different ward areas every three months you you have to be flexible and adaptable to new environments and different areas different specialties different people I still sometimes feel like I'm doing that in pediatrics because I'm still quite new to peds I've only been doing it a year and a half so I still feel like I'm learning on the go so it's nice to hear that um, you kind of thought about that in in very early stages of your career, and your mindset was 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 very um, mature, um, even kind of very junior pharmacist of and two years of qualifying. That common sense to you, and it made sense to you and your personality, and you made it work. Mm-hmm. And so that's cool. I was going to ask another question about the kind of five year plan, and um, can you go into detail about what you mean? Yeah. Well, I'm just a person who can't sit still for very long. Um, and I quite like um, my clinical development. And I know that um, <clears throat> after I finished my pre-reg, I wanted to do something to keep my clinical knowledge going. Um, but I needed to know what I wanted to do. And I needed to know the steps that I was going to take. And I know I was moving into um, a managerial role. However, um, this this place, the, the store that I moved into, had a lot of potential for me to grow in terms of my other skills. So that worked its way into my plan. Um, so the way I think about my plan is what do I want to achieve? Where do I see myself uh, after that in, in five years, after the five years? Um, and kind of what skills do I need to get there? Um, and I also, you know, you have to think of your interests. So um, I think at the time I was still interested in diabetes. So um, I was thinking, okay, so how do I 
how do I broach this? How do I get hit there from community? Maybe I need to just develop myself more clinically to have that on my CV. Do I need to go into a diploma? So I was thinking about all those things at the time when I was thinking about my five-year plan. When you, when you think about your five-year plan or when you started thinking about it, I guess explain where you thought you wanted to end up and how, what steps you needed to take to get you there. So I eventually wanted to end up in a more clinical role. And whether that be in community, I'm not too sure. Because I think at the time, there was like um, there were some um, uh, whispers about uh, a competitive um, high, high street pharmacy going for like anticoagulation clinics and stuff like that. Okay. But Superdrug weren't doing that. And Superdrug have a, uh, had a small share in the market and, um, at that time. So would this be like a new thing that they'd want to approach? Because I found them really amenable to change. I felt quite heard in that company. Mm. So, you know, having a company like that where you can make suggestions and be a little bit more innovative with your role kind of helps. But I knew I wanted to be a little bit more clinical. And actually what happened in that store over my time when I was there actually paved the way for me. So one yeah. One of the things that happened was my uh, area manager at the time saw that I was really interested in um, services and learning about um, CCGs, uh, like the commission, commissioning side of it. So looking at the CCG side and the local authority side, uh, where the funding comes from. Um, so I was really interested in the ins and outs of that as well as uh, looking at stores who that might not be doing as well in particular areas and looking at what they could do to to develop a little bit more to get them to that kind of place so um, it was a more of a supportive role Uh, so with that my manager said okay you're looking more into the service development side so I thought okay I've never heard of this role before okay um, so actually he got me on his team just to um, give them more support with um, horizon scanning for like the opportunities that come about uh, and to offer support where needed, which was really fun. So it was like stuff like smoking cessation. Why aren't they doing it in one store? What skills do we need to get there kind of thing? Um, one of the other things that happened at the same time whilst this was all going on was we were approached by um, a local neuro rehab um, centre and we actually um, were asked to design a bespoke service for them. Uh, They hadn't previously had any pharmacist input whilst they were open, so they were fairly fairly new. Um, So I actually got involved with the service development lead for Superdrug at the time and we had to rewrite their meds policy look at their CD policy, do some audits, design an audit for them. Um, so all of that stuff just kind of, it, it spurred me on a bit for uh, for this kind of area. Um, yeah, and it was also clinical because they were, um, they were neuro, uh, neuro rehab. So they had um, about 11 patients at a time as a private kind of sector. And what I would do on a weekly basis, I would visit and I would do a ward round. So um, this would involve the, the consultants, any new admissions that came to the, the neuro rehab, I would review reconcile meds. Um, so it was like an MDT as well, which was, it was really fun to do. I've never done anything like that. So it was really, really good. And then from there, I think I just wanted to do more of that. So um, I looked for opportunity in that kind of direction. No, that's that's great, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it's quite similar to a care home pharmacist role, but obviously with, with neuro-rehabilitation patients, you're liaising with the GP consultant or whoever the, the medical team are, making adjustments, doing medicines optimization. but you might have swallowing difficulties or Absolutely. having to switch formulations, things like that, mm. where the pharmacist's input is is huge. And sometimes yeah. where when you're in community pharmacy, you have a massive impact on the patient face to face, but you don't necessarily have as big of an impact um, with, between you and the doctor. 
Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, you liaise with them on a basis to query prescriptions or make amendments or make adjustments to something that they've prescribed. Um, but how, how many times a day on average are, are we having to contact them in comparison to being in an MDT setting on a ward round, you're with them. Um, and they also fire questions at you. It's not just a case of you identifying a problem and fixing it. It may be that they come to you with an issue to help actually utilize your skills and knowledge to resolve it, um, which is really valuable and you feel it's very rewarding um, mm -hmm. because you feel that you're using all of the knowledge that you've gained through university pre-reg year and your current job and, and making a massive difference to, to patient care. Yeah, I don't know if you felt that way um, or maybe yeah. I'm just, I love pharmacy so much. I think everything sounds really good. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have the same vibe. That's all good. <laughs> I just felt like also the one who had like the red pen coming around. It's like, why hasn't that got the instructions on it on the march up? Where's this on the march up? But that's patient safety, you know, mm. um, it's pointing um, pointing out issues like that and also helping them with inspections and audits because that's what they need to do. So stuff like that, you know, that's really valuable. You must have gained a lot of skills from that because starting to write guidelines and policies from scratch yeah. on a service that wasn't necessarily there before and they're yeah. relying on you to yeah. do it. You're not, you know, you're not reviewing them. You're, you're writing them from, from scratch because they never had a service before. And your knowledge and experience can have a huge impact even for the staff, for the nurses, for the carers, the people, the doctors who work there. You're putting in those policies, like you said, for, for safety reasons as well as legal reasons. I'm sure, like, what kind of audits were you doing there? So one that sticks out to me is a waste audit. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, which was a really good one to do, actually, because... Um, they were as I said, they weren't supported by a pharmacy team before. So um it was just an interesting one to do. So when we were doing that, we just went to one of the rooms where the waste was kept. Oh my goodness, the the, the bottles of um emollient that were there. Um because they just simply didn't know where to return it to or how often they should be doing it. Um, you know, so it was good to give them support in that way, also ordering to ensure they knew frequency of order yes you can reuse pumps that's fine you don't need to order it every month so um yeah looking at emollients and looking at the um the policies around like ordering them just to make sure that, that they don't build up um and just making make sure that they reuse the things that they can reuse just so they don't build up all these bulk things also stuff like laxatives that they're not using regularly you don't need to order them every month you know so it's just helping them and supporting them with their, that kind of process so just general stock management really and, yeah. and cost savings which is it's a good yeah. it's a good place it's a good audit good place to start i see a lot of wastage sometimes and it freaks me out <laughs> and, and during your time in Superdrug, did you start hearing about the sort of gp practice roles that were in development at the time yeah so being in that role, I just wanted to do it more en masse. So at the same time, it was just by chance that there was a scheme coming into place because I'm not too sure if you remember the headlines, but it was something like a secret army. But we've been here <laughs> the whole time, you know. <laughs> We're right here. Um, so I saw that and I was thinking, okay, this might be a way for me to kind of develop myself a bit more. So um the roles were coming up in the area so I actually this people might not want to do it do it this way but I actually resigned before I got a job because it was something that I really wanted to do and I actually did get one um so this is where I am at the moment um so I was so nervous for those interviews uh, because they were just a new way um a, a new method of interviewing um so for the for, for example the first one I went to it was a speed dating one so there were, there were about 12 GP practices present, like, so representatives from 12 GP practices. And uh, there were the candidates sitting in the middle. And we had to do like a two-minute spiel about us. And they do, well, they would spiel about them. And then we'd move along. One of the most interesting experience, experiences I've ever had. And then um, there were, of course, um, 
interviews where I had to do presentations. So that process was different for me as well. But I eventually found a role um, which was quite local to home. And it's where I am at the moment as a senior pharmacist now. Nice. So kind of tell us how it was how it was to transition into a GP practice role from community. Yeah, interestingly, a lot of um, the pharmacists who transition into general practice are from community, uh, which is just an interesting take on things. Um, but we do get a few from hospital, of course. But coming from a community background, I just felt that I could bring that side to it because I knew the frustrations of community and I just wanted to learn more about general practice and develop my skills in that way. Also, um, I know that hopefully I'm an approachable person. So fitting into a team, a new team, should hopefully um, come quite naturally and um, I'm quite amenable to change. Um, so I knew I wasn't going to make changes or suggest too many changes. Um, when I first got there so it's all about learning so I think the biggest skill you can have is to listen when you first transition into any new sector listen and observe what's around you um, because making changes um, when you first join um, you know your new your new place um, may not be the best thing to do so that's what I did first um, and then gradually um, having chats with uh, the practice manager and the prescribing lead, just going into what actually can I do? <laughs> because they didn't really know, I didn't really know. Um, but we knew we wanted to kind of focus on medication views, high risk monitoring, um, all the like safety aspects of it. So we started quite small and we did um, the medicines reconciliation. So all the discharges and stuff that came from hospital, the clinical clinic letters, um, and that's where I kind of learnt uh, and developed my knowledge on guidance, really, where to look and formularies. Um, so all my knowledge around that. Um, and then um, a few months into it, I didn't rush into clinics. Um, so a few months in, I think about seven months or so in, um, I saw my first patient. So it took a while. And that's oh, simply... Interesting. Yeah. And it's simply because I'm brand new to general practice. And uh, we just wanted to make sure, um, risk-wise, that we were in a safe place for that to happen. Um, and at that time, there was a whole uh, thing about indemnity, uh, just making sure we had the correct cover for the skills I would be, uh, uh, the skills I needed and skills, I, uh, the, the tasks I was about to do. So we just wanted to make sure that, that was all covered. So initially, I, I started taking queries and as I say, doing the reconciliation, but it it took until that time to to see a patient. Um, and I started off quite slow. Uh, I did um, hypertension reviews, up titrating blood pressure, and this was all with a GP mentor. Uh, so I'd work under them, um, and we'd talk about my clinic at the end of the day, uh, just so any queries um, would be kind of passed by them, and anything I would recommend um, would be discussed then. So that's kind of like how I grew into the role um, from the beginning. I'm so glad they gave you time, though, because that mm. I think it, it's quite hard to go into a job where you're kind of developing the services alongside the team. I guess in some ways it was nice. You didn't know exactly what was expected of you, but they let you have time to grow and yes. they, they grew with you. What, so I worked over three practices and this oh, was okay. operation. So um, three became two because two merged. So um, I then worked over two practices. Uh, one of those practices that merged had a pharmacist before, but they did sessions as they worked for the CCG as well. So mm. uh, this other pharmacist, she used to do asthma reviews. Actually, I think she was more respiratory based, but she didn't do any of the hypertension reviews, I want to say. Um, so she did sessions uh, so they weren't used to having a pharmacist who was theirs essentially <laughs> so that that's quite a new concept but no I, I absolutely love the team I worked in and I I um I was the first one to be employed by the federation so they did need to take their time just to kind of put the feelers out to see what they wanted to see what the practice actually wanted me to do 
because mm. it is a third decision. Um, so the you've got your in your mind what you want to do, but the practice has in their mind what they want to do. So we just need to you know meet in the middle um, and just just work through it. Yeah, um, it's interesting um, how GP practice pharmacist roles have developed over time. It's really nice. I, I'm so pleased that it's working out and. It's making quite a big impact for patients, especially from my perspective, like having a hospital discharge and knowing that someone at GP practice is actually regularly looking at and updating, you know, your systems, making sure repeat prescriptions are up to date, maybe even contacting patients to to check how they're doing um, when when they get home from hospitals. Um, The role is really it varies GP practice to GP practice, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. You obviously want to pursue um diabetes as your specialty so how, how's that going mm, so that came about actually um a while after i was um uh employed as a clinical pharmacist i think it came about maybe three years after um simply because i wanted to get like a, a general feel for those sort of things uh and see if i was still interested in it um then i did my ip uh, on hypertension uh and then i thought actually no, I do really like diabetes. Uh, it's a really juicy topic. Um, and it's really satisfying. Uh, so when you've got that patient in front of you and you make an intervention, whether it be diet lifestyle, um, whether it be prescribing a medication and you see the improvements and you see their well-being improve, I thought, you know what? Yeah, I really like diabetes. So, um, what I actually did was, um, uh, do a diploma in diabetes, which has just finished today after Woo-hoo. a year. <laughs> yeah. Clink, clink, my glass, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's Virtual. so exciting. It's, it's a great day to have actually recorded today because it's a, it's, this is going to be a memory now because it's recorded. Um, and you, you got to celebrate on your own, but with me virtually, uh, which is exciting. So I'm really happy for you and I'm really pleased and congratulations. It's it's a definitely well-deserved. What was your um, diploma like? What's the, the course like actually and where did you do it? Uh, so I did it in South Wales, so it's all virtual. Mm. Um, actually, it has brought out that I do like face-to-face as well. So a good mix in between would have been really good, but still it was it was rewarding in, in um, the content. Um, I think it was quite overshadowed with COVID times <laughs> because work after work is very hard. <laughs> but you know what? If you've got the motivation and you've got the term- determination, you can do it. Um, mm. so, yeah, it's just logging on after work. Um, and I've got, I had the um, academic forum, which is uh, questions are posed there um, by the, the tutor. And you have to um, critique or answer the questions that they come up with, uh, whether it be a journal article that you need to read um, and critique it with another journal article or case studies that are posted. Um, And then we've also got uh, module activities uh, and two of them were actually group work. Now, I've never done virtual group work. um, And it took me back to the time at uni where we had to do our group assignments. But... um, managing people I was I was actually group leader for one of them managing people virtually is just so hard (laughs) it was just another level but um we got through it we got a good mark on that one which was really good um so overall it was a tough experience but really rewarding because this is the end of it Uh, and I just feel actually a lot more confident uh, Mm. in what I'm doing because we covered um a lot of the complications so like post mi pvd um nephropathy neuropathy all those kind of things so i feel a lot more confident so for example i i'm quite happy to start an ace in microalbumin era uh, where i would in the past i might have um sent that patient to the gp so i still work onto the gp but um i'd be more confident with my um my recommendation to that patient so yeah, I'm just more comfortable in what I know and what I don't know. I think that's really important to to know. Um, you need to know about your blind spots. Mm, that's amazing. I love mm. that. It's, um, it, it's definitely, 
I love how the education mixes while you're working and then you're implementing some of that knowledge on a day-to-day basis. It's not that you finish the whole diploma and then start utilising the knowledge because obviously you can just learn on the go and implement on the go too. Um, So it's it's good. And how did you manage your routine in terms of um, studying? I'm just interested. I have to do like a little bit every day. So I did do a bit every day. I've given myself a treat and had a Wednesday off. (laughs) um, No, I did do a little bit most days um, because I just felt better for doing it. And there was just too much work to leave. Um, So I just planned in advance. So I'm a massive J, which basically is a Myers-Briggs thing. Um, So it means judging, um, but it just means like you're a massive planner. Um, okay. you know, I knew I was a massive planner before I did the um, did the test, but it came out at like 90%. So <laughs> I kind of feed into that now. So I'm just a massive planner. I just like, I, I just do things um, little by little uh, and not do things at last minute. I'm finding myself doing that more and more. And I don't just mean, okay, well, I used to, and I've said this before, is that even with when I did the postgraduate diploma, I used to do, I used to stay at work one or two nights a week, the same every week, and I did the same in pre-reg year. One or two nights I would stay um, maybe two to three hours late after work and and, and study or do my coursework or whatever, and then also spend one day on the weekend um, on a regular basis, like kind of the full day of like seven or eight hours worth of studying or coursework. Now I can see myself moving towards very small habits, but mm. every single day. And we've been trying this at home with, uh, I've been doing it with my yoga and meditation. I'm like three weeks in now. Um, so I do 10 minutes of yoga and then 10 minutes of meditation generally at the same time every single day. So at seven o'clock when Lily's in bed, I go straight to my yoga mat. Um, and do my my yoga and then my meditation if I do more than 10 minutes happy days I'm super proud and happy that I can get that done and I've got the energy to do more but if I don't it's a minimum 10 minutes and I'm trying to use that concept in more areas of my life you know 15 minutes where I don't feel like being on my emails or don't have meetings or not directly with patients I use that time to learn and it works out so much easier for me because 10 to 15 minutes a day is nothing and it's easy it's manageable and I can be consistent and I keep going on about this as well as consistency is really important in my life because I can't do it I'm even with food I I can be really really good for a long period of time and then I tell myself okay just have a week off enjoy yourself do whatever you need to so even if it's a holiday or going away then getting back into that routine could take me another six weeks I have really highs and lows and I like this in my personality with a lot of things um and I don't like it um it's not what I want to achieve and I so now what I'm doing is just going back to baby steps and doing small amounts every day and then building up slowly because once I have that habit it will never go away it's like brushing your teeth every morning like every day when I wake up and I go to the bathroom and I brush my teeth and I wash my face like it's a habit everyone does it um, there's no ifs and buts about I'm not going to brush my teeth today because I can't be bothered like you're going to do it no, and absolutely. I want certain things in my life to be like brushing my teeth or having a shower yeah. so exercise being one of them you know making good choices in terms of going to bed on time or uh, making good choices in terms of food and what nutrition I take so that I can be more productive or have more energy feel happier um, all of those things all these little steps kind of add up so that's kind of where I'm at at the moment it, it works it, I can do it but I feel like doing something small every day makes a big difference for me and I'm trying it to see if it makes an impact and so far um, I feel like it, it's working out really well you know what I feel like you've just coached me a little bit <laughs> um, I have been wanting to get back into regular meditation and yoga that's exactly what I wanted to do, like get back into my 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 routine, because um, it has been lost, admittedly, when I was doing the diploma. Um, but that's just what kind of 
balance looks like at the moment because sometimes you just can't be expected to do everything um but i think by doing that 10 the 10 minutes you were talking about i think that's a really good idea so thank give you give it a go give it a go <laughs> there's other things that i've tried as well um in terms of focus on different areas of my life so um i might spend an entire month focusing on family and i might mm. spend an entire month focusing on finance um, mm. and getting myself together with more savings or you know less less um expenditure on buying food and um buying coffees at work putting money aside to save for holidays um really sorting out my finances i might focus one month on kind of research and and spend a whole month at work reviewing articles it That's such provide, a good idea. yeah it's amazing it, it's mm. like 12 i choose kind of like 12 topics and then yeah. 12 months of the year um and you can change it every year you can do different things um but it it does work and i've tried it and it's amazing i do really love it but it still doesn't provide me the consistency in terms of my daily routine that i'm desperately craving yeah and the ups and downs of guilt of being healthy and not being healthy because i've given given in or i'm tired um so it's kind of fin- finding a balance between giving myself not giving myself a hard time over not doing something I feel like I should be. So if I choose to not do my yoga tonight, I shouldn't feel bad about that. Like mentally, Absolutely. there's no reason why I should feel bad about that. Yeah, um, we, just, we need to get out of our headspace, don't we? I know. I completely feel that. But I feel like I need to try something different in order to stop that mentality. And I feel that what right now, these small habits helps. It helps me because if I do 10 minutes, I really feel like I've achieved something. Yeah, I really what, feel like I've done something minutes, good. What's 10 minutes in 24 hours, you know? Yeah, there's no way you can't achieve it. There's exactly. no way that I can't achieve it. So exactly. it kind of gives me no excuse. And anything more than that, it, you're in a win-win situation. You're like, you know, you feel good. I do. I genuinely feel really good about it if I can complete it. Um, mm, I like and, it. Yeah, it's worth it. And once again, we've gone off topic, but it's fine. <laughs> I like all this wellness kind of stuff, so it's really interesting. I'll ask you one more question before we kind yeah. of end um, the podcast. But um, what's your next kind of five-year plan now? Oh, well, as I was saying, yeah, this one is drawing to a close. Um, just got to do one more thing to kind of put it to rest. Uh, and then... Um, I can't give too much away because I don't like saying it in, t- in case it doesn't happen. But um, <laughs> it's definitely focusing more on feeding into the skills around diabetes. I'm particularly interested in diabetes and frailty. Um, I think that's a really interesting topic. Um, just uh, especially in general practice with the cohort that we see, um, you know, with an aging population, that is just an area that's quite a good focus. Um, so it might be something around that in the in the next coming years. And do you think that you'll pursue, um, like, a, go up the leadership ladder more than you already are? So as part of my role as a senior, I, I feel like a leader already. Um, and because I was one of the first pharmacists, for the federation and now directly employed by the practice um i've had such a say in the the workforce that we've got they've never had a pharmacy team um so we've got that now um watch this space to see how it grows but we've got prescription clerks we never had prescription clerks before um so i do want to embrace that more um that'd be that'd be brilliant just to have a hand in training i think that'd be great um, so embracing more training and education. So that's maybe a future IPs um, and pre-regs. Um, pre-regs would be such a good thing to do because I think they need some exposure to general practice um, quite early just to just so that they know that it's an option and don't be scared of transitioning to general practice. Um, it'd, be, it'd be quite fun to do. Um, so I think... That will be kind of my focus 
really? the next few years. Yeah. Nice. So I always end my podcast with my favorite three questions. Being a pharmacist means? To me, it means owning your career path. So it's what you make it and you grow and develop however you like. So I've never said I'm going to be like stuck in a role. I like to make it my own and pave my own way. And also being a pharmacist means privilege and honor. So you're privy to so much information and the most vulnerable of the most vulnerable people. So you need to treat it with a lot of respect. And if you had to write a letter to yourself the day that you became a pharmacist, um, something along the lines of you've no idea what you're capable of, capable of. Find the confidence, just go for it. It's going to be okay. And my last question is, in 10 years' time, I will be. So watch this space. Um, So I've got some things lined up already. Um, So, yeah, I'll let you know. (laughs) Agreed. Nice. And, And, you know, thanks again for making the time to come on the podcast and share your journey. And it's been really interesting kind of not only talking about pharmacy but just talking about general life and habits and and what we do to keep healthy and well um so it was interesting to see your perspective um, and it, it was it was good to get to know you that as well <laughs> like making a connection with someone is always something that i thoroughly enjoy so um i really appreciate uh, the time it was lovely talking to you if you enjoyed this episode please share it with others You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Pharmacist Diaries UK and on Twitter at Farm Diaries UK. That is P-H-A-R-M Diaries UK. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you can be notified when a new episode is released. Finally, please visit Apple Podcasts and leave me a review as it will help the podcast reach more people. If you have any suggestions for guests you want me to talk to or if you'd like to come on yourself, please feel free to contact me via social media or email at info at pharmacistdiaries.com.